we're going to talk about this heading. It's called Growing in God's Lettuce Patch. The, the Internet is almost an un, it's a social network for unsociable people if you're not careful. Growing in God's Lettuce Patch. There's about 25 to 26 verses that applies to us doing something in God's garden. The scientists will tell you that agriculture, that in, in a controlled environment may be a little bit different, but in, in an uncontrolled environment where you're subject to heat, wind, rain, that all plants and vegetations will always grow better around other plants like it. They give shade, they get nutrients to the soil. So what I'm telling you this morning, that, that when you get saved and born again, wonderful, you, you've already stamped your ticket to heaven. Now then, Here's the next objective. You've got to learn to play well with others. And it's biblical. Because everybody knows you can stay at home and do something on television or the creek bank. So I said, well, I can go to the creek bank and worship God. You can, but you don't. Oh, I can stay home in the evening chair and pray. I understand that, but you don't. So come to church, we make you get along with people. <laughs> And now would be the time for you may want to get up and move somewhere else. I mean, you know. So as we walk into God's garden, that we're going to soon discover that the secrets and the successes on how to grow in God. The seeds, they are the scriptures. The soil is faith, trust, and obedience to God. And the results are faithfulness and fruitfulness. So it's very important this morning as, as we're going to begin a process of growing in God's lettuce patch that you'll soon discover that, that God has called you not only into his kingdom, but he's called you to align yourself with other people in the body of Christ and most of us that we can grow together in God's garden. So you might as well get ready for this because the things of God will always play well with others. Always will. So, I ask this question, what could be greater than growing in God? And the answer is growing in God with other believers. Okay? Donald, good morning. Donald's been in the hospital. Donald, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Donald, we've been praying for you. See, my eyes are bad. He's been, he's been down. He, we're glad you're here. Amen. So learning to grow in God with other believers. Okay? So here's a couple scripture references. The idea of this that God just doesn't want you to go through life doing it on your own. It's unbiblical. Has anybody besides me ever went to the backyard and, and you're going to cook out, and I don't like to cook out, but you use the charcoal briquettes? And have you ever noticed that when you put them in a pile, they last longer and burn hotter? But you just put one by itself, that little thing, inch and a half square, it's not long, that thing just... <laughs> on your own, you're by yourself, just turn somebody like this. You just tell them, <laughs> you're like that. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you, you dump in a big old mound and a wad, and once you light them, just the heat generating off one another will burn longer and it'll burn hotter. So too it is in the things of God. You were never meant or designed to do this by yourself or on your own. 
Because it's in the church sometimes that we're challenged. And when I say we're challenged, we're challenged by Scripture. We're encouraged. We're, we're challenged to do better and, and live better and, and become better. And you are better because you're surrounding yourself with people that are constantly growing in God. So I said, well, you know, they give you advice. Well, what you need to do is, is run off and go find yourself. I did find myself, and I wasn't impressed at all. I found myself to be better when I'm around God's people because it's biblical. And the, Peter says it's called a like faith. So here's a couple of scriptures we'll talk about this morning. Psalms chapter 133, is that correct? Yeah. How wonderful and how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. It's like costly anointing oil flowing down from the head and the beard flowing down from Aaron's beard and flowing down to the collar of the priestly robe. And it's like the dew of Mount Hermon flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes, that is where God commands the blessing. God commands blessings when there's unity and harmony in a church. How beautiful it is is when brothers and sisters can get along. Now, the King James calls it how wonderful it is when, when there's unity involved. But if you want God to bless, now you know this, but there's, there's a huge difference between walking in the blessings of God and being cursed by God. Now, if you feel like you're being cursed by God, you might want to see me after church and we'll go through a, a quick five-step list and I'll tell you if you're being cursed by God. But the very last word that's used in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, the very last word that comes out of the Old Testament is the word cursed. And for 400 years, God turns off the microphone. Have you ever done anything stupid in your life besides move to Woodward? Anybody ever done that before? <laughs> Have you ever done anything stupid and, and then all of a sudden you, you keep going through the motions? Nobody said you didn't come to church. Nobody said you didn't. But, but for some reason, the heavens kind of shut off. It doesn't mean that God removed you from sonship. It, it means he removed you from fellowship. And for 400 years, Malachi says that because of your disobedience and this and that and this and that, God just said, I'm, I'm through discussing this with you, and he just turned off. This is really loud up here, Brian. Just turned off the microphone. And for 400 years, they never knew the presence of God, but it never stopped them from doing their priestly duty. Pay attention to me. You can still come to church and you still feel like you can't feel God. You can still turn on the music and listen to praise and worship, but nothing is, is, is there's, there's no anointing in, 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 your, in your feeling system. And it may be because of disobedience. So my job this morning is to challenge you. It's not all fluff and stuff. It's, it's truth, but there, there's a matter of trust and faith and obedience to the things of God. And if we'll do that, then I'll tell you, there's going to be blessings involved. And I want you to be blessed. I really want you to be blessed, and this is the way it does it. So where does the blessings come from? Is when we have unity one with another. It doesn't have to be uniformity. We don't all have to be in a blender and, and process. We can be who we are, but we come together with one common denominator that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life. And after that, we are commanded to obey his word. True. So now then, 
it, 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 it's a good one. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, that says this. With all lowliness and with all gentleness, with all long-suffering, and the key word is forbearing one another in love. That says bearing, but it's the, it's the Greek word for forbearing. Endeavoring. Say endeavoring. It's pedazo. It means hard work to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You know what he's telling you? It's hard to get along with the person sitting beside you. It's going to take some work. Turn to somebody and say, you're not the easiest person to get along with. I'll tell you right now. Be careful. We're having a Valentine's banquet tonight. You might want to be careful. You might want to turn around. Don't talk to your spouse. Paul is saying, we, we can agree, we're all saved. We can agree, we're all going to heaven. We can agree, Jesus is Lord. But he said, with lowliness and meekness and humility, forbearing one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. It's hard work. It's hard work to make some of you happy. Hard work. I mean, I'm just being, I'm like, look at this section. I give up on this section over here. <laughs> Sorry, Nita, I'm not even, look, you need to move, Nita. You're right in the middle of firing. <laughs> but the idea, he's telling you straight up that when you get around other Christians and other believers, they have different likes, they have different likes, they have different dislikes, they have different styles of music. Some are dog lovers, and we got cat lovers for some reason. I don't understand that. But it's, it's a lot of hard work to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace in a local church. But it's very important. And sometimes we have to surrender our ego and our arrogancy to find out what the Scripture says and deal with other people through humility. And the word humility is, is a Greek word called epicase, but it means, by definition, or meekness, but, but it means to be, where we get a word for plastics, and it means from a mold, and, and it, it means this, is that, th that it could happen to you. Or maybe it's happened to you. So when you're dealing with people's stupidity and ignorance, two things are happening is this, with meekness. Under, understand your relationship with these people because you're not above that same temptation and failure. Or number two, you've already experienced it. And the second is greater than the first one because if you've already experienced it, you should have a little more meekness when you're dealing with other people. So the Apostle Paul is telling us with humility and loneliness and meekness, forbearing one another. Just, just forbearing one another. Now, if, if they're doctrinally incorrect, we'll deal with it here. We'll, we'll deal with it. But, but if, if it's just stuff that really doesn't matter, don't get so worked up over it. Help them instead of just yelling and screaming at them. Tell them. So in, every, in order to keep the unity in the local church, it takes a lot of hard work. A lot. So you have two options. Either you can say, well, you know what? There's a lot of, there's a lot of inconsistency in the people in the church, and I think I'll go to, to another church. Well, you can, but you'll just mess it up. Because there is no perfect church, and if there is, don't go there because you'll definitely mess it up. And somebody said, well, you know, I won't go because it's full of hypocrites. Ah, oh, there's room for one more. Just come on. <laughs> it takes hard work. We're not the perfect people. I'm not a perfect pastor. 
I'm, I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect guy. But I'll tell you, I, as, as long as I'm around you, you challenge me to be better. But on my own and by myself, I become a law and an island into myself. Especially you guys that I call on, and it's true, but you guys I call and that's going to speak on Wednesdays, have you ever noticed yourself catching yourself where you're doing things stupid like a week or two before? Or communion servers? I ask you to do communion, and three days before you do communion, something comes up, and you are just so tempted just to twist off, and you go, oh, I can't twist off. I got to start communion. <laughs> Jeffrey and Brian and Jamie and you guys and Ron that speaks. Dan, you speak. And you speak on a Wednesday. And boy, Monday, somebody cuts you off and waves at you down the road with one finger. And they're honking because they love Jesus like you do. And you're so tempted just to run them down and give them peace of mind. You're going, oh, I got to speak Wednesday. Really? Coming here does you good because we're keeping your temperance in check. Amen? Amen. So John 17, 21 says it like this. Jesus said that, that they all may be one as your Father are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22 and the glory that you gave me that I've given them that they may be one just as you and I are one. When this is your mindset to become one, not only with God, because I won't say this loud and clear, you can't be one with God and one with Jesus and not be one with one another. And if there's something in the scriptures that you don't agree with, I'm going to tell you, you're the problem. God's never the problem. So the idea of this, that now it changes from, 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 from me to we, from I to us. When you understand this oneness business, you're going to understand that everything shifts and everything moves. So what's so important about, as we begin this lettuce patch, is to understand that we've been commanded and instructed to worship God together, to grow together learn together. We, we, we assist one another. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. And if need be, we, 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 will, we will correct one another. And we can make statements like that's probably not the smartest thing you could do. And that's what the church is all about. And the question, I, I, I ask this all the time in the game of football can we agree to what we agreed to in the huddle? Can we just carry out what we just agreed to 30 seconds ago in the huddle? We're going to run it to the right on two. I mean, can we get in agreement with that? And can we, can we carry out the, the conviction of what God has called us to do? I know he's doing something on you on a personal level, but here's the litmus test. Can you do it with, with a fellow believer beside you? And I know your answer, well, well, nobody can get along with them. Well, I understand that. But it's very important. So this is what we kind of learned to do at this church, that we learned to understand there's two things for sure. There is a God, and we're not him. Number two, that we learned to submit to the word of God, scriptures only. 
And in faith and obedience and trusting God's word, we allow him to plant us. And before long, we're going to see fruitfulness and faithfulness begin to be the harvest. Okay? So growing in a lettuce patch, the word lettuce, it means let us. There's only one this morning, and we'll get to them, but I'll give you the rest of them in about two weeks, and we'll go from there. The Bible says, no, let's go to, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us, let us patch. Now you get it. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. God's faithful. So here's what he said. Let us. He didn't say you, me, let us. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. The word profession in some translations, you'll see the word confession. Profession in the Greek is homologia. Homo is the same, and where we get a word for logos, it means words. It means to say the very same thing that God has already said. That's all it means. Say the very same thing. We, growing in the lettuce patch, we've been commanded to say the only thing that God has ever said and it's found written in the scriptures. Now, it's kind of funny, but we can only say what God says if we know what he has already said. Don't get lost on TV or any other churches that will abandon the word of God, and now they're into a prophetic movement where they abandon the word of God. You better run from that place. Because what God has already said, God has already said it. Okay? Now, even in the gifts of prophecy, one of the gifts of the Spirit, and, and we know this in Corinthians 12, there's one called foretell and foretell. One is F-O-R and one is F-O-R-T-H. And they're two different things. One means to predict the future, and one means to declare what God has already said. I'm in the second one. I'm here to, to prophesy to you, or I'm here to tell you what God has already said. And his word is what he's already said. As a matter of fact, I wrote this. That Christianity is not a mindless Christianity because we cannot love and trust whom we don't know. Now, it's a joke, so you can kind of relax, but through the years, I've asked a couple of people, I mean, when I first started the church, we, you know, how that goes, nuts, fruits, and flakes, church of granola, and, and we've had people come in here, I mean, 25 years ago that pastored churches before and, and so on and so forth. I said, hey, you want to speak on a Wednesday? Yeah, I'd love to. So I get up there and, and, I, said, and I said, you know, 10 minutes for church. I said, what are you going to speak on? He goes, I don't know. I'm going to let the Spirit lead me. Oh, my goodness. And it was a train wreck. And, and I mean, he, he started in Genesis, and by the time he got through the Antichrist, we, we covered all bases. What I'm getting at, your Christian walk is not a mindless Christian walk. God wants you to use your brain. Say, I'll get this wrong, but, but it's important. You know, God gave you a brain. You, you understand that, don't you? I heard it. I don't know if it's true, but it's true that I heard it. But they had an auction for brains one time and they auctioned off Albert Einstein's brain and went for $4. Now, 
And they offered off, they auctioned off this guy that won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1981 or 82, and it went for $6. And the other brain left was a, was a spirit-filled Pentecostal preacher, and it went for 10000 And they asked the question, well, how come the greatest minds in the world went for $4 and $6, and the spirit-filled preacher went for 10000 and said, because he never used his brain. I come from that type of church. I can say that. <laughs> you cannot trust and love whom you don't know. You cannot trust a God whom you don't know. You cannot love a God whom you don't know. If you have, trust, if you have trouble this morning trusting God or loving God, then, then it's just a wonderful sign that you are not versed in His Word. And you're going from revival to remeeting to revival, and you're waiting for somebody to lay hands on you and say, Yea, I say unto you, arise and go to the town of Dixon and go north, and you'll see two donkeys on the left hand side. But don't stop there, keep going. I mean, you're looking for that mentality, and listen, it'll keep leading you down the wrong way. The more you read about the Word of God, is the more you learn to know God and you learn to trust God. It's that simple. And so if you say, well, I don't know where to start. Well, you're in the right place. I'll help you with that. So this Christianity is not a mindless thing that we just go through. God wants us to use thought. So here's the deal. First of all, let us. Let us. Hold fast to the profession of our faith. Let us learn what God has already said. Don't make it up. What has God said about this situation? And if you don't know, we'll help you with it. And whatever God has to say about this situation, then stay with it. Just stay with it. Say only what God says, and you can't go wrong. You've raised kids. You, 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 you sent the middle child to tell the younger child to do something. And by the time you tell the middle child to tell the younger child, it's two different stories, huh? <laughs> And if we're not careful that if we get scriptures messed up, no wonder people are in the condition they are. Learn to repeat only what God has said. Don't add anything to it. You'll mess it up. All right? Now he says do it without wavering. Say what God says. Say it exactly the way that God says it. Learn what God says and do it without wavering. This is a Greek word where we get a word for Recline. Aklanes is the word for relax and rest, but it's a cousin to the word of clino or recline. And by definition in the English, it means to go to bed, to retire, to quit. So when you put this in English, it means this, that whatever God has said, and you know it to be true in the scriptures, say it. And say it all the time. And don't quit. Don't go to bed on it. And don't retire from it. Whatever God has said. And Paul commands us not only to say what God has said in Scripture, but never stop and quit saying what God has already said. Even at the moment when it seems like it's not working, just keep saying it. Because the Bible says, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. 
and whether I understand it. I'm not commanded to understand it. I'm just commanded to be obedient. Because the earth is obedient to the seed. Whether you plant marijuana or marigolds, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be obedient to the seed. And my heart is obedient to whatever the seeds I put in it. And I choose to put the seeds of obedience and trust into God's word. No, Donald Baker is, is, is living proof. I think about three weeks ago, his sugar went to about eight or 900, and he went night-night. And then he got COVID. And the way I heard it, you wasn't supposed to be here today. You don't understand. I mean, they gave him like 3% chance to live. But evidently, God has other plans for you. See? And not that your little wife can get emotional, but I've had conversations with your wife concerning you, and boy, it's all good. I don't know where she's at now, but I don't care. I'm just glad you're here. So God has other places. And what I'm telling you, we never quit repeating what God said about you. So this morning, we might as well... The last thing is said, it says, hold fast to these things. Kateko, it means to, it means to latch down, to fasten down, to, to button down. Make sure it doesn't just escape. Kateko is a word to latch on to, button up something. Um, fasten it down, put a drywall screw in it. It, it means, this is what it means. That whatever God has said, let us, let us confess what God has already said. That burden is just not on me. He says, let us. Let us say what God has already said. And if you don't know what he said, then it's time that we together, we, we attend Bible classes and we learn what God has said. And I appreciate commentaries. And I know I call Joyce Myers a nut, and, and I haven't changed my opinions on that. But if, if, if there are certain people that run around, they'll always want to throw in ad-libs and commentaries. You'll be best just to stay with what the Word of God says. Okay? And by doing so, you're going to find out if you'll remain and constant in that, you'll find out that God will do some great things, impossible things. There's only one word in the New Testament before we go. Use the word kateko. It, it, it's used almost the same way, but the Apostle Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter 6 and 11, put on the whole armor of God. The word put on is what we get a word for in duo, and, 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 it, and it, means, it means to you dress yourself. It's addressed according to the season or circumstance of the day. If you don't know what that means, put on the whole armor of God. The word in duo, it means to dress according to the season or day. So hopefully that we would, if it was rainy, we'd put on a raincoat, hopefully. And if it's snowing, besides my son Jordan, my son Jordan will wear shorts and short sleeve shirts when it's snowing. I don't know why that is. But I, I want to explain a word to you before we go home. Put on the whole armor of God. God's not going to dress you. You're going to have to do it yourself. Now, these articles of implements that he's asking you to put on, the helmet of salvation, your feet shod with peace, and breastplate of righteousness, your loin belt with truth, he's telling you 
to put it on. But here's the key word for enduro. It means to tighten it up and fasten it up. Here's the concept. What good is a raincoat unless you zip it up? What good is a fleece-lined coat in a snowstorm if it's not buttoned up around your neck? Stay with me. I'm letting you go in three minutes. I know some of you go, oh, I know the scriptures. I know, and, and I got them in me. But, but they are not, they're not zipped up and fastened down covering your body. Because by zipping up your coat and buttoning up your coat, you're keeping the elements out. And sometimes you can have all the scriptures in the world, but if they are not fastened up or buttoned up in duo, these things that are coming against you are getting in. And when he talks about the helmet of salvation, make sure that thing's on tight because it'll, it'll protect your noggin. It'll protect your thoughts. And when he says in Proverbs, he says this. He said, put on the breastplate of righteousness, the cardia. It'll protect your heart. Our heart is our emotions and our feelings and our reasonings. Make sure these things are on tight and secure. As a matter of fact, I even wrote in here, you better button up, buttercup, because not only do you need these things in your life, but trust me, you need to make sure they're tightly fitted around your body. One of the hardest things that Gail and I will, will, when we go through things, one of the hardest things, including yourself, is to go through things and the scriptures are not working. Things are not making sense. The more you pray, the worse it gets. And so we have two options. We, say, we, can, we can say, well, it's not going to work, so we just throw it to the side. Or we can say this, but the word of God is true. Faithful is he that said it. And maybe what I've done is I've carried it loosely on my body. And I've allowed the elements of the world to get in. And it's got in. And I'm commanded to not only dress myself, but I'm commanded to button everything up. And get it tight. And get it secure. Because God never said that he would keep the thing from coming against you. He just said if you button it up and tighten it up, it won't get in you. So if you're here this morning thinking that you can pray enough that God will remove circumstances from your life, that's not going to happen. But God said, I'll promise you, if you'll dress yourself for the day and dress yourself for the season and getting it buttoned up and getting it tied up and getting that thing kateko tightly around you, no matter what comes on the outside, it will not get in. So let us Keep confessing what God has already said. Isaiah 54 and 17, no weapon that's formed against me, they'll prosper. He didn't say oh, he, no weapon to be formed against me. He said it just won't prosper. If God be for us, who can be against us? By his stripes we are healed. God is filled with all these promises. And here's the deal. We've just got to, as a church body, let us say what God has already said. All right? You don't, you don't need to go off needing some other interpretation or, or a prophetic utterance. You need to understand what God's Word says and just say it. And you don't have to apologize for it.
okay? Growing in a lettuce patch. Father, this morning, we believe that the Word of God is very active in our life. But your Word says that we've got to apply it to our life, and we've got to button it up, we've got to tighten it up, we've got to zip it up from our head to our feet. It covers our heart where our emotions and our feelings and our reasonings come from. Your word says in Proverbs that out of there comes the forces of life. We need to protect that. And the way we do that is make sure that it's tightly around us, protecting our heart. The helmet of our salvation, it protects our thoughts. These things were given to us to help us as we go through life. So this morning, I just pray as the church body, as this small church, that we're going to learn in the next couple of weeks how we're going to grow in God's garden together. And we as a church, we are going to, as a group, only profess and only confess what God has already said. We pray for our children. We pray for our homes. We pray for unsaved loved ones. We confess your word says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We confess healing in life. We're so thankful this morning for Donald's life. We're thankful for the healing power of God that you have not only used medical science, but you have used prayers of the saints to make sure he's here this morning. For whatever that you're doing, we give you thanks. And let us never, ever let the Word of God slip from our mouths. Let us keep it close to our heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn about two people and say, you know, I'm glad you're here this morning. I like you. We're going to grow in God together. Communion service, if you'll please come today. Thank you for every kind word that you've ever spoken to me and my family. Thank you for every warm handshake. Brenda, thank you for posting scriptures on the internet that will remind people that God is good, that never had the opportunity to come to this church. Thank you for that. Thank you for every song that you're singing and every instrument that you're playing. Thank you for that. We are growing in God together. We're not the same without one another. We were never designed to do it on our own. When Adam looked at her, he said, you look nothing like me. Homo may be stimulating, but it's not reproductive. Sometimes God puts us around people that doesn't look anything like us, but that's good. So maybe God has placed somebody in your life and God has sent a brother or sister into your life for a reason because you're learning to grow together in accountability, in information, but you're growing together. That's what God has called us to do. And I'm thankful for your life. Stand with me, if you would, please. That night, Jesus sat with his disciples. And boy, you talk about a, a hodgepodge, a calico cat of people. All of these were different likes and dislikes and colors and styles and background. They were all different. They all had different motives, different menus. 
come from different backgrounds of society, but he's about to bring them into one through communion. He said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating this ordinance of, of the unleavened bread and the ram's blood. But tonight, it'll be just a little bit different. Then he took the bread and he lifted it up and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. I am the bread that my father sent down from heaven. And if any man eat of me, you'll never hunger again. And then he took the cup and he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the blood of the Lamb that was sprinkled upon the doorpost in the shape of a cross. But I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and my Father will take my blood, and he will place it upon in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And at that moment, something began to happen. And this is what I want to tell you before we celebrate Holy Communion. These 11 men had no idea how much they were going to need one another in the weeks and the months and the years to come. This morning, you may, be, you may just be here, but I'm telling you, you may have no idea how much you're going to need this local body in the days to come. Let us grow together in God's garden of grace. Father, bless this cup and bless this, this bread. And for all that will partake of it, they will find unity and harmony and commonness with not only your son, Jesus, but with one another. In Christ's name, amen.